Welcome to The Bittersweet Life. If you're brand new to the show, I encourage you to go back to episode one and start at the beginning and come along. Come along with us for the entire journey. I don't think you'll regret it. Glad you found us. Tell your friends. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, the mowers are outside. My landlord hires mowers to come, and they typically not only mow down the grass, but mow down every plant that's looking beautiful oh. <laughs> nearby. I so. like the idea of the, the, the grass being mown. Yeah, me I mean, too. I think that's a good thing. It is a good thing. But the plants, no, that's not so good. Yeah, sometimes it's like scorched earth when they leave here. But I'm only saying that because you might be able to hear a mower go by every now and then. This, if you hear that kind of noise. Well, that's what it is. If you hear that, if you're not hearing that, then you're hearing my stuffed up nose for maybe the third week in a row. And I apologize, but um, we're having a huge pollen attack over here in Rome. And I am a major sufferer of pollen allergies. So um, so I apologize if I sound like I have a clothespin on my nose. <laughs> I remember that about Rome. Those trees are brutal over there. Yes. And we live less than a block away from a big wide street that has about a gazillion magnolia trees on it. I think, no, sycamore trees, sorry. They're sycamore trees. And they just, ugh, it's like pollen is snowing at this time of year, so. Have you posted anything about this on social media? Uh, I don't think so, actually. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of things do you post? I know you post some of your articles from time to time. I definitely do post articles, not as regularly as I should. I, I will have moments in which I get really into it and I'll post every day and I'll be really good about it. And then I'll go a month without posting any articles at all or any blog posts or anything. I definitely do have my share of just random thoughts, Facebook status type. I'm not on Facebook, but you know, I'm not sure that Twitter is the right place for that, but if it's funny enough, I suppose. Not that I'm not that I'm saying mine are, are funny, but you're not known for your comedy on Twitter. Every so often, I have my moments, and I'll, and I'll come out with a little gem. But that's definitely not my forte. Not like uh, a certain other friend of ours who I know, who is hilarious. Kate Hess's Twitter feed. She's funny. She just writes the funniest stuff. Makes me laugh. Yes, she is very funny. But then again, she makes her life as a comedy actor. There you go. That's her thing. So she better be good at it. Yeah, she better be good at it. I don't feel like I am good at it. And so while Jessica Spiegel, who was on the show before, and Pam Mandel were with me, we got into a big discussion about social media because Jessica used to um, do social media work. In fact, she's a freelance writer now, mostly working on the, on the blog Italy Explained. But half of her client work used to be social media management for companies. And sitting across the couch from an expert in social media, how can you not get into it, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, you should. What am I doing wrong? Well, first of all, before uh, before we go any further, I don't think that you're doing anything wrong at all. You've only been on Twitter for a couple of months, and you already had a viral post that got retweeted almost 8,000 times, which is more than most people can say ever. So 
I really don't think that you should be going around saying that you're not good at Twitter because I actually think you're kind of a natural. Well, thank you. That's very kind. You are, No, but I'm serious. You, you also are really good at interacting with the people who interact with you and commenting and talking with them. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't do. So I think you're doing well. Well, when I sat down with Jessica and Pam, oh, Pam, by the way, is a blogger at, for Nerds Eye View. That's her blog. And like I said, Jessica Spiegel is... Um, Italy explained Pam has over 16,000 followers. Wow. So she's doing something right. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to follow her. Yeah, you can be 16,001. No, I think she actually has way more than that, but that was the uh, the big base number that made my heart stop. So that's Pam Mandel and Jessica Spiegel. So I asked Jessica to, to give me some advice about how I should be thinking about social media. Let's hear it. We want to find our tribe, we want to find our people wherever they might be. And it's getting obviously much, much easier to find those people. Pam and I met on the internet yeah. in 2006, seven, something like that. At that point, it was still a little weird to like, quote unquote, meet somebody on the internet and have them have more in common with you than maybe your friends and family in your immediate vicinity. If you had a weird interest or something that nobody else in your immediate circle shared, that was the way to find it. it. Was that was the way to find your community? And so I think for me, that was that that was the thing with social media, was just approaching it as a community. As what are we all here that we have in common that that is our that is the thing that brings us together and that we all want to talk about. The times that I have like done managing social media feeds for companies, it's been about finding stuff that. If I'm interested in it because I'm interested in this one thing, even if it's tangentially related, it's probably going to be interesting to a, a good percentage of this group. It's just been about community. I like to think about social media as the real world, which is, so I like to use it in exactly the same way I would use any other thing. Like I wouldn't, I, hey, will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? That's a really strange interaction, right? <laughs> <laughs> So I don't do that. I don't I don't send out friend requests to people. I don't have any reason to be asking them if they will be my friend. Yeah. Hey, will you read my book? Will you share my book with your friends? Will you tell your friends about this thing I'm doing? Like, I don't do any of that. Mm -hmm. All of the things that I use social media for are the same things that I would say to a person in real life. Mm -hmm. When I'm cooking dinner, um, you know, I've been posting once a week or something. I've been posting to my Facebook feed. Hey, this is what I'm making for dinner. You should come over. And I mean it, right? I genuinely mean it. And so I use all these things in exactly the same way that I would use any other sort of social interaction in person. And I find that thinking about social media in this very personal way, as opposed to a mechanical way or a self-promotional way, mm -hmm. has made all the difference in my social media interactions. Will you be my friend? <laughs> <laughs> There's there are so many companies, brands, or even people promoting themselves as brands that you can that you can watch on social media where Twitter is my favorite thing. And I always liken Twitter to a bar, right? So you can go into the same bar every Friday or every day for a week and it will be a different place depending on who else is there. If you go in one day and there's the blowhard who with the megaphone, essentially, who was just talking about himself the whole time, you're like, yeah, this is not such a fun place and I'm going to leave. So that's the person on Twitter who just is read my book, share my book, like my Facebook page, all of that baloney. 
Then the next day you go into the bar and maybe you find that it's the weekly meeting of the, I don't know, Pam, ukulele players who, you know, and you're like, oh, this is my people. And then it's the best bar in the world, right? It's the same place. It is the exact same place. It's just a matter of finding your people. It's finding your community. Talking to people who hate social media or think Twitter is useless, it's like, well, it's a tool and it's a really malleable one. It's just about how you use it. Um, so yeah, being the self-promotional megaphone guy is, is not fun, whether you're at a party with that person or you're following them on Twitter. So what if you're like Tiffany and me, Tiffany, by the way, good at Twitter, Katie, not so much. In fact, I didn't even have a Twitter account a month and a half ago. So, <laughs> That's so cute. what if, what if <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany forced me to do it? What if you actually do want people to pass on your podcast, The Bittersweet Life, to other people. And Twitter is the way to say, hey, we have a new episode up. Mm-hmm. I understand that that gets obnoxious. So what should I be doing? It doesn't have to get obnoxious, right. right? It doesn't have to be at all, right? So every time I publish something, I'm like, hey, I made this new thing. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it. I think you might like it. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I would say to my friends, and not my friends in air quotes, my actual friends. Mm-hmm. Look, I made this new thing. It's cool. We worked hard on it. I think you'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. That kind of method of talking about your work there's no reason you can't use social media to do those things and i think there there are some people who are stifled a little bit by the idea of a format oh i'm on twitter therefore i must use it in this specific way rather than thinking like how is it natural for me to talk about this thing and then maybe not even asking yourself that question like what would I say to Jessica who is sitting here? I'm like, Jess, I just finished this thing. Mm-hmm. You should try it. Mm-hmm. I've just made the matzo ball soup waffle. <laughs> you totally need to taste it. It's awesome, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to like blasting everybody I know with mm-hmm. it. There are, you can find them online with varying definitions to each of the parts of the pie, but there's the 70-30-10 rule, which if you are, I know Pam's giving me the eye, If I remember right, the 10% is basically what you sharing your stuff, whatever your stuff is. The 30 and the 70, I'm spacing on exactly what they are. One of them is about sharing stuff that would be relevant and or interesting to your audience, however you decide or define those things to be. And I can't remember if that's the 70 or the 30 offhand. And the other one, what is the other one? I think the other one is actually, you know, engaging with the people in your audience, right? So it's, yeah, it's answering a question if you happen to see one whether or not it's directed at you or commenting on something and then getting into an exchange so the takeaway again because I'm forgetting the 70 and the 30 parts the takeaway being the part where you are saying I made this awesome thing you should see is really the least part of it now I think the assumption there is that you're on Twitter because I'm using Twitter as the example a lot because if you're on Twitter once a day, then that's really a very, very tiny amount that you're promoting yourself, right? So it's balancing, you know, like making sure that you're on enough to make it so that you are promoting yourself on like a daily basis if that's what you need, but not have that be the only thing because then you're the megaphone at the party. If all you're doing is using it to promote yourself, people will go away. Yeah. It has to be a channel for more than that. Yeah. But I think the other thing with Twitter being that that makes self-promotion or any kind of promotion on Twitter a little bit challenging is most people who use Twitter don't 
scroll back in time to where they left off. So it's really, again, it's a cocktail party bar situation where you don't walk into a conversation and go, hey, everybody, could y'all rewind about five minutes and catch me up on what you're talking about? You enter when you enter, you exit when you exit, and you just, you have these little snapshots of time during which you are listening. Because of that, and I'm actually bad at this, I'm good when I'm promoting companies, like if I'm being paid to do this, but on my own stuff, I will share a new article from Italy Explained, like, once which is so dumb you're supposed to do it like I don't know I have a friend who's much better at this than I am she's like here are eight ways to do it that are interesting you won't sound like a broken record you have to schedule at different times of day because you know especially like if you guys know you've got an international listenership not everybody's online at the same time right so there's all these reasons and ways to do it that you're not being a megaphone you're actually people will miss it otherwise a lot of people will miss it if you don't do that kind of stuff there are totally ways to do it that you are not the irritating megaphone. And yeah, when it's your own thing, you're like, I'm sorry, I'm mentioning this again, but did you miss this thing that I made? It's really kind of nice. And then you're like ducking because you think you're going to get stuff thrown at you. You know, it's really, it's weird. It's, I, like I said, I'm better at it when I'm, a client hires me to do that. When it's my own stuff, I get really apologetic about sharing it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm really good at personal one-on-one -on -one communication. Mm -hmm. The problem that I have with social media is because I know whatever I post there is going to 2,000 people or it's going to however many Facebook friends I have, which I don't know. That's what's hard. If people write me, like if they actually email us at bittersweetlifeatmail.com, I will write them back. Or certain people who have donated, I've written them emails back. Or lately, I've been actually writing them letters like handwritten letters okay. back so people get mail because that's really exciting for me <laughs> when I get mail so I've decided that if you're gonna be nice enough to donate I'll write you a letter why not but that's the thing I, is there a place where that is still a strength and what I'm bad at is broadcasting to the world my thoughts like I don't think that way I mean I get your one-on-one -on -one, think of it as a friend but mm -hmm. you're still really talking to your whole group of Facebook friends. If they're if they're paying attention, right? Like I don't assume they're paying attention. And I like the bar analogy because maybe it's a really loud room and the only person I'm really having a conversation with is the person sitting next to me at the bar, mm -hmm. right? So it seems like there are 1,500, 20,000, 50,000 people in this room, but that's not who I'm talking to. I'm only talking to whoever's listening. Mm -hmm. Most of them aren't actually listening. I don't know how many Twitter followers I have or ever have. It's just not something I, it's not a number I look at. I think if you know that one-on-one -on -one conversation is a strength, then imagine your ideal audience member, or maybe it's an actual person who's written to you who you think of when you're, when you're recording or something like that. That's the person you're talking to. Just have it be that person. It makes it more personal. It makes it more, more makes it more you it's coming from you you're not writing a headline or something most of those people aren't listening right now anyway you maybe you are really only writing to 10 15 people who knows you know we never know but i think approaching it as if you know you have your sort of ideal listener or your ideal reader and that's who you're talking to that's always going to resonate with more people always I think. I have this funny thing from my feed this morning. My brother, he sent me a photo of this flight, you know, the seat back safety mm -hmm. card, right? You, I, I will describe this, but look at this. This guy is, he's opened the overhead bin and this 1970s camera is falling out. Mm -hmm. So my brother's like, no 1970s cameras in the overhead bin, mm -hmm. right? 
which I posted to Twitter this morning, right? It's really funny, mm-hmm. dorky photo. And this guy who I do not, I don't know who this guy is. And he responded with a similarly bad safety card, which says also no turntables, no turntables, <laughs> no turntables right? And I responded to him because he bothered to respond to me. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I'll do this sort of weird broadcast thing like this silly photo but if anybody responds, I, I try to actually converse with all of them, right? Because then you're having like a handshake moment mm-hmm. instead of shouting into the room. Mm-hmm. There was a woman who wrote to me, man, a year ago. She wrote me this lovely letter about she was so pleased to see that I was back writing about Italy and all this stuff. I printed it out. I stuck it by my desk. What would Denise want to know about this place? Every single time I sit down and I'm writing about all those logistical things that could be really, really dry. I feel like I'm writing to a friend. I feel like I'm sitting, this is exactly the same advice I would give you if you invited me over because you were planning an Italy trip and you wanted to know about whatever. Yeah, this is how I'm going to talk. I use the first person. So yes, it's absolutely about thinking about a person sitting across the table from you. It's the social in social media. Right. Right. And why is that so hard for everyone to understand we have social media experts that's a big profession now there are a lot of young people that are being the social media coordinators Mm -hmm. for a company i have a hard time understanding why that's a thing every time i have a social media client i wonder why it is this is something i'm being paid to do because it i think for some people yes it does come really naturally like in my real life i'm a great cocktail party host Right. I just I love flitting between conversations and finding um, person A over here and person Q down there who don't know each other but have this awesome thing in common. And you know what? You guys get together and talk about this thing. And then I leave. And it's like my work has been done. And I'm so happy about that. To me, that's also social media. So yeah, I think there are people who are definitely more wired for that, who think that kind of way about social gatherings, whether they're virtual or real. I don't know. I mean, I know people who agonize over 140 characters. Like, we'll spend hours on 140 characters. And I'm like, I don't even think about it. And I'm done. Type it out and I'm done. There's some element of, I really don't know why this is hard for people. Unless it's hard for them in real life. I'm a terrible cocktail party host. (laughs) And I'm really good at social media. (laughs) So... That analogy doesn't work for me at all. But, you know, you probably know some of these people who write like they're trying to sound like they're writing. (laughs) As opposed to people who just sound like themselves when they put words on the page. Mm -hmm. It all comes back to this idea of not using it any differently than I'd use any other form of thing, right? Like if somebody shows up on my porch and wants to talk to me about something, then either it's going to be interesting or not. I'm either going to engage with them or I'm not. It's the same rules. And I think a lot of people think, oh, it's a digital format or it's being delivered via the web or not in person. And so they try to make it behave in a way that is independent of the fact that it's just a social interaction. So that's Jessica Spiegel and Pam Mandel, both of them freelance writers. Jessica, formerly a social media person hired by companies to do social media. And we'll put a link to both of their blogs at our website, thebittersweetlife.net. What did you think, Tiffany? I think that they have a lot of interesting things to say, and they're clearly, they clearly know what they're doing. I loved the analogy of Twitter being a bar. It's, I think that's great. The only thing I didn't 
quite agree with is this idea that social media is easy. It seemed to bewilder Jessica why companies would have to hire someone to do it. And maybe she's just so good at it that she doesn't realize that it's not. I mean, for most people, I don't think it's actually that easy. And I don't think it's about necessarily being hard, but it's time consuming. And I think that's, for me anyway, that's the thing that gets me. It's just, I don't always have time to post as much as I'd like to. I think that's the interesting thing to me is that on the days that I do it, and like you said, I'm I'm very new to Twitter, as in maybe even less than two months. On the days I want to do it, it's fun to a certain degree. It's this need to do it constantly. Exactly. That makes it hard. And I wonder where that need is coming from. Is it that we can't succeed as artist types or in life at all at this point if we're not good and constantly engaged on social media? Or is it that we feel like we need to be constantly engaged on social media and that's something that we've all imposed on ourselves? You know, like, can you be a successful artist without social media or you're nobody in today's modern world unless you're on social media and not only on it, but saying profound things that are getting retweeted all over the world? I think that as far as people who are already really successful, I don't think that they need to. If you're a really, really successful writer... I don't think you need social media. It's for the people who are trying to become successful. I guess the idea is, how are people going to find out about me? And that's the best way. It's the cheapest way. It's the most immediate way. I don't like it any more than you do, the the thought that it's necessary. But I I think it might be. (laughs) What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I think at its best, social media is to help us exchange ideas, right? But it's also so much used now as a promotional tool and we, or to show off or to make it seem like my life is going really, really great on Facebook or something like that. Or maybe my life really is going really, really great and <laughs> I'm just putting it on Facebook. I don't know. But its place still in my mind as I get used to using it more often baffles me a little bit because I've never been inclined to want to do it. I mean, I'm totally happy to put myself out there. Obviously, I've been on the radio for 12 years now. I think there's a big difference between Twitter and Facebook. They both have their sort of negative sides. And I think Facebook's negative side is exactly what you said, this idea of everybody trying to you know, make their life look better. Not everybody, but some people. And I think the problem with Twitter is the promotion one, that everybody is exactly what Pam and Jessica were saying. Buy my book, read my blog, follow me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, check out this, check out that. And a little bit of that is great, but it becomes obsessive. When I started following a whole bunch of authors, I noticed that some of them, particularly the ones that are self-published, would post sometimes, and I'm not joking, four or five times a minute. And I really don't understand how that's physically possible, first of all. But I'm following 500 people or 1,000 people or I don't even know how many people. And yet all I'm seeing are Jane Doe's posts over and over and over and over and over again. I can't be the only person who's annoyed by this. And uh, I think that if everybody followed the rule, the 70-30, the 70-20-10 rule or whatever it is, I think that it would be, it would be awesome. And in the fact that you like interacting with people, I mean, that truly, that's the good part of it. And I think the sitting down and promoting yourself, maybe it feels annoying because it is annoying. 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if the reason we don't like to do it is because we know that people don't really want to read it. <laughs> I mean, maybe they do. Maybe they want to read one post, but nobody wants to see 20 posts of the same thing. Well, what about if we were to go back to the old concepts of living where we didn't spend so much time promoting ourselves? Right now I'm reading the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. Ooh, old school. Very fun to read. I must I don't know if I could recommend it to everybody, but I'm really enjoying it. But one of the things that he says or he keeps coming back to is that it's about industry and working hard and not saying negative things and not being too quick to tell somebody that they're wrong when you're in a debate and not saying emphatic words like, I know this to be true. You might say, I certainly imagine that this is true. A different approach. But his point being, promotion or success will come from diligence and integrity. Well, maybe in the 1700s. <laughs> no, <laughs> not I, today. I, I'm not saying that he's not right even today, but it, it would be like a company that won't advertise itself. Everyone advertises, every big company, whether, you know, Louis Vuitton, who you'd think to yourself, Louis Vuitton doesn't need to advertise themselves. Everybody wants, you know, every, not everybody, but a lot of people out there want Louis Vuitton and, Vuitton and no Louis Vuitton to, you know, the guy selling mattresses on TV. Go back in time, 10, 15 years, 20 years. If you didn't advertise, how is anyone going to know about you? Today, Social media is the advertising of our time, particularly for people who are selling, not necessarily products, but selling their work, their intellectual property. How else are, is anyone going to hear about you and find out about you if you're not promoting yourself on social media? And I say this as someone who, I'm not a huge social media fan. I like Twitter. I do. I do promote myself on Twitter, but I don't know that it pays off that much. I like Twitter because I find a lot of interesting things. Is it possible that we need to succeed on a higher level now? There is no success unless hundreds of thousands of people are aware of you versus perhaps in Ben Franklin's day, if you were a man about town in Philadelphia, that was enough to get business. But now it's if you can't garner a worldwide audience, the thing that we had go viral, the crow story, episode 51, okay, that is story was incredible and it was heard in countries all over the world and shared I don't even know how many times and blah 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 even still that said we didn't really make any money off of it and that's a huge success like I made some for writing the BBC article and whatnot but but generally speaking it was shared by everybody without a dime coming my way which means that success has to be even larger yeah it's true it's totally true and then that's the kind of annoying thing about social media and Twitter particularly. You can post a t photo on Twitter and it can be amazing and everyone else can retweet it. It can be seen by th hundreds of thousands of people around the world. Doesn't mean you sold it and doesn't mean you're, you're going to get any money for it. I'm glad everybody saw that photo. That photo was incredible. That collection of stuff that she got from the crows was pretty awesome. And I hope that it gave people a sense of magic that's enough for me. But it is true that in this constant churn of promotion, what are people looking for? Are they looking for a validation? Are they looking for their careers to launch? Maybe we just don't really know. Maybe we're still trying to figure it out. I don't know. I don't think there's an easy answer. I do think it's, it's might be emblematic of the social media world that a lot of people are very unwilling to pay for intellectual 
output, you know, because there's so many blogs that you can read for free. There's so many podcasts that you can listen to for free. There's so many photos you can look at and save and print out if you want for free off of Flickr or Instagram. There's like no need to pay for anything anymore. Yep. And yet we're promoting ourselves four times, 10 times as much (laughs) as we would have been 20 years ago. I know. It's weird. It's But not promoting ourselves person to person, (sighs) but to a bunch of people in the world. Food for thought, everyone. Food for thought. (laughs) Yes. Let anyway. us know what you think about all of this, if you're as perplexed as we are. Yeah, I would love to hear some thoughts and actually share some thoughts. But for now, I actually have to go. I have to go to a meeting. I'm having a one-on-one conversation with somebody. Wow. In person? In person? <laughs> that I actually have to catch a bus and go downtown for, which in some ways is more inconvenient than if I was just meeting them on Twitter. Oh, I think it's much more inconvenient. But it might be more rewarding. Hopefully. At least I'll get a hug out of it. So until next week... This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Talk to you soon. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, send us an email to bittersweetlife at mail.com. Bittersweetlife at mail.com. It's a way to reach people all over the world, from Australia to the United States to Morocco to Italy and everywhere in between. 